Good Friday, hey? <laughs> What's good about it? You've got a false accusation, you've got uh, a kangaroo court, a lynching mob. You've got a guy who's obviously been lied about, physically, viciously manhandled, taken from post to post, beaten, whipped, eventually uh, executed in a humiliating execution. One of the chief characteristics of which currently was suffocation, you gradually suffocated. What's good about that? Well, nothing actually. But what is good about it is what Jesus said on the cross, three little words. It is finished. It is finished. John, I'll read that bit from John 19, verses 28 to 30. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so scripture will be fulfilled, and by the way, there's something like 350 prophecies were fulfilled by Jesus. Depends on your interpretation, some people go up to 400. Uh, but Jesus said, anyway, fulfilling his prophecy, he said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, and they soaked a sponge in it, and they put the sponge on the stalk of the kissel plant, and they lifted it up to Jesus' drinks, up to Jesus' lips. And when he'd received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It's finished. When you think about that, there's only ever been one person in the history of the world who could ever truly say, it is finished. No one else will be able to say it when they die because no one else can say that while they live. None of us will be able to say to God, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Am I correct about that? It certainly won't be me saying I did everything that I could. You know, as Christians, we've begun the work of living for God, the, of fulfilling the commandments, but we haven't finished the work of any of it, have we? I certainly can't identify a single day of my life that I could say, I lived that day perfectly. And although we can get better at it, and although we can grow in our Christian life, we'll never move beyond being just a believing sinner. Great Baptist preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon says, We can find a thousand flaws in our best works, and when we lie dying, we shall have, still have to lament our shortcomings and our excesses. And so when Jesus says on this day it is finished, this should be for us an immense sigh of gratitude. We should be so grateful that he achieved what he came to do. And you know, what he came to do, he was planning before the world started. Revelation 13, 8 says, The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. God had been planning it for a long time. And it is finished means that the plan worked. The plan for a perfectly sinless, sacrificial Lamb to be slain, to pay for all the sins of humankind. And Satan thought he'd thwarted that plan when he conspired to get the Son of God crucified. He thought he'd won. And for a couple of days, there must have been a significant party going on in, in his camp. But when Jesus rose again from the dead, he realized he'd lost. And now he is on borrowed time until the final judgment. He realizes he's actually done for now, and he's not happy about that. He's not happy that it is finished.
It's finished. We should be so grateful that our salvation does not depend on us completing or finishing anything. No proud and independent, independent and strong as we are, we don't have the power to save even ourselves, let alone the whole world. It is finished. Our hope of eternity with God does not depend on the quality of our Christian life. It doesn't depend upon how good a Christian we are. It doesn't depend on how talented or how worthy or unworthy we are. It just depends on whether we accept by faith, whether we accept the truth about Jesus. It is finished. And we should be really grateful for the realisation that Christ has completed absolutely all the work required for us to be saved. Martin Luther compared that work of Jesus with the law and he says, the law says, do this and it's never done. But grace says, believe this and everything is done already. It's finished. We should be grateful because Christ died for all of our sins, the sins of omission, the sins of commission, from our past, from our present, from our future, all of our sins. And although we need to own up to them and confess them in our daily walk with Jesus, we need never be frightened that, oh, there's one sin I forgot to confess. That might keep me out of heaven. No, we don't have to be afraid of that. There's no extra work to be done. There's no insurance clause written on the bottom of the contract. It will all work. For Jesus' work of paying the price for our sin is finished. It's completed in its entirety. No warranty work will ever be required. It all will work perfectly and it will never break down. It is finished. And so let's look at a little bit more detail about what is actually finished. What is the work that is done? And there's two aspects. There's work which is done just once for all time and then there's work which is ongoing. First thing that struck me about the work done once is that the perfect strategic sneak attack actually worked. You know, any general loves when his troops are able to go in and completely surround the enemy without them knowing anything, and that's what Jesus succeeded in doing because the people had no clue about what was going on. Luke 23 34 says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The Jews didn't know, the Romans had no clue, Satan was completely wrong footed. And what happened was a triumph. In Colossians 2.15, there was a complete triumph of this perfect strategic sneak attack by God. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Once for all time. The bill wasn't paid off in installments. The whole price was paid in one go, cash in hand, so to speak. And that was possible because the exact owed, amount owed, an item of infinite value, was brought along. What was brought along? A perfect sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 says, For by one sacrifice he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And that sacrifice was the perfectly sinless Son of God. It's finished. The full price is paid. If only a perfectly sinless person could be pure enough of enough value to balance, to balance out the almost inexhaustible evil of humanity. A bit like a scale, you've got a balancing scale, on one side you've got sin, on the other side you've got purity, and the weight of holy purity is heavier than the weight of evil. Jesus the sinless one, and God had to make him sin for us, so that 
in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, the sinless one, took the sin of the world and allowed himself to be hung upon the cross. His blood became the ultimate sacrifice which paid the penalty for sin. And the great thing is there's now possible a new covenant, a new agreement with his children. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16 and 17 says, This is the covenant I'll make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, I'll write them on their minds, and then he adds their sins and their lawless acts, I will remember no more. And gave us also an unprecedented and hitherto unavailable access to God. Hebrews 10 again, the veil of the temple that has separated man from God was torn so that we may enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. I'll give you a couple of big words, this word called propitiation from the Greek word hilasterion and its equivalent is a Hebrew word kaporoth and it just means covering. And you know, you've seen the movie The Ark of the Covenant, it was in the Bible before it was ever a movie. And there's a, a, an ark there and there's angels at one end and in between on the top of that is what's called the mercy seat. The guys, to pay for sins, they sacrifice an offering and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. So, propitiation is about that sprinkling of blood on that mercy seat that covers over sins, that gets rid of guilt, wipes away guilt on behalf of the Jewish people. And who should take the place of that? Jesus. He became the propitiation for our sins. He became our substitute and he assumed our obligations. He covered our sins. He endured it vicariously, endured it on our behalf. All of which adds up to what happens at the cross is atonement, a sacrifice for sin, a ransom paid, a redemption. You know, it's like we're we're all slaves to sin and someone paid the price to buy us from that slave market. That's uh, all involved in what we're doing here at the cross, what was done at the cross. Another interesting thing about being finished is that Jesus' life was not taken from him by others. You know, you've got those big soldiers, you've got the politically cunning Jewish leaders, you've got the ruthless Roman military leader. They didn't take anything from Jesus that he hadn't intended purposely to give them. When he actually died, he actively handed off his own life because it was his to give. No one took it from him. Jesus in Luke 23, 46, called out in a loud voice and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said that, he breathed his last. It is finished. He actively handed off his own life. And what's the result of that? The ongoing result of the cross here is that Jesus now lives and sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us on our behalf. Hebrews tells us that in a few places. He had in one he says, Hebrews 1 verse 3, after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And in chapter 12, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, he scorned its shame, and he sat down after that at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the Jesus we're coming to today. Christ Jesus who died, who's at the right hand of life of God, is interceding for us. He's no longer on earth. And he's prepared a place there for us. 
John chapter 14, Jesus says, Don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come again, and I'll receive you unto myself, so you can be there too. Because I am the way and the truth of my life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' free gift of salvation is available to all mankind. God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and make us a new creation. So I wonder, as we come to think about the cross, what it means for you today, are you confident that you have trusted in the finished work of Christ? Are you thinking, oh, I need to do some finishing myself, I need to confess some sins, some resentments and some unforgivenesses, some things I've been holding close to my heart. Well, we're going to have a bit of a quiet time now to meditate on the cross, on the finished work of cross, to do some personal spiritual business with God. Some of us I know like to do things in a concrete way, symbolically to take some action. I've got some uh, papers and pens there which are going to come around and if you wanted to uh, put down on paper something that you'd like to bring to the cross, that you'd like to leave to the cross, uh, you'll have an opportunity to write something down. Maybe it's a, a sin you're still working on, maybe it's uh, you're saying, oh, I realise that I've been holding on to something I need to leave there with Jesus. And so there'll be an opportunity for you to write down there. I'll get a couple of volunteers. I will cling to the old and exchange it someday for a crown. Gracious Lord, that's our hope. We will exchange this someday for a crown. We look forward to an eternal hope and we commit the lives of our friends and our family and our, our acquaintances into the hands of God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit until we meet again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.